We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to do our game predictions next, Ryan, and and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And and um, I want to see a lot of you have already kind of done your predictions already, so we want to hear those, and you can keep putting those in the chat, Ryan. But we're going to make our game predictions, and so we'll do it like we always do it, Ryan. We'll start off first with you giving me your score and then just kind of walking me through how you see the game going based on your predictions. So let's yep. begin. Uh, Ryan, you have a... You have the floor. What's your prediction, yes. score prediction for this game, and how do you see this game playing out? I'm a little bit optimistic here, but it's okay. We'll be optimistic. 34-17 Irish. My reasoning for this is that I actually think Louisville is going to create a couple of big plays in this football game. I do. Whether it's Jabari Thrash, whether that is Gerard Jordan with a big play, I do believe that Louisville is going to create a couple of big chunk plays. But I am banking on the simple fact and I keep watching this team, Louisville speaking, where I keep watching their defense and keep saying, I just find it hard to believe that Notre Dame is not going to be able to run the ball on them. I just find it really hard with, that un- with their undersized front seven. And if Notre Dame has any semblance of balance and ability to create plays on the perimeter and out wide, I think that Notre Dame is going to have a, ch- a chance to really soften up this defense and really just have a way in the run game. So I think that this is a more well-balanced attack we're going to see on Saturday. I think Notre Dame comes out 34-17 in a pretty dominant victory here against a good Louisville team. Feeling good about yourselves going into the to the week against USC. Notre Dame's offense gets a little bit right in this one. Notre Dame's defense continues to do good things, although they give up a couple big plays in this one, in my opinion. So, Ryan, if the game plays out the way you have it, and you have Notre Dame winning 34-17, to and it sounds like it's a game that, that it's not a – it's a game where at the end of the day, everyone's going to know Notre Dame was clearly the better team. Am I correct yeah. in, in that? Yes. If yeah. that happens, who gets your offensive game balls for the Irish? At when, we, when we are breaking this down and we're doing our post-game show, who will you have as getting the game balls for Notre Dame if it plays out this way? 
so offensively, this is going to be a very like coaching cliche thing, but it's going to go to the offensive line this week. I usually kind of cycle in as like a, a skill position player, whether it's Hartman or it's Audrick Estime. I think Estime is going to have a big game. I think the running back room is going to have a big game. But I think that, that more than anything, outside of a bounce back offensively, this is going to be a big bounce back for this offensive line from what we saw last week. Last week was a bad showing. The interior offensive line did not play well. Joe Walt even gave up a sack in the game against Duke. Blake Fisher did not have a good football game. The offensive line for Notre Dame was not good this past week. I think they have a turnaround this week against Louisville. They dominate. They're able to run the football. They give Sam Hartman time to throw. I think the offensive line for Notre Dame is in due for a big week offensively. So if Notre Dame wins this game this way, Ryan, what are the biggest storylines coming out of the game for Notre Dame if things go the way that you have them going? Well, I think one of the biggest storyline is that you're going to see a little bit of a resurgence as far as the efficiency on Notre Dame's offense, the ability to create plays consistently. I feel like early on in the season, Brian, I know they weren't playing against the best defenses in the world. Things just felt methodical. Things felt connected. Things felt like they were in a, a really rhythm. good sequence, right? There was a good rhythm to it. And I think rhythm is going to be the biggest thing coming out of this football game. And you're going to feel like Notre Dame found their identity a little bit offensively. And a second part to that is now you are setting up an even bigger storyline of Notre Dame USC coming out of this week, because now you're going to be like Notre Dame has enough offensive firepower that if they get into a shootout against USC, they're going to be able to play with them. So I really think it's an offensive identity week for Notre Dame and finding it. I'm going to throw a couple little curveballs here at you, Ryan, and I know you can handle them Yes, because I know you've thought sure. about this game. Number one, if Notre Dame, if the offense does everything we said in the keys mm-hmm. to victory, what does this game look like? Say that one more time. I, you lost if, me the offense, if the <laughs> offense thrives in all of the areas yes. we talked about as the keys to victory, right? So they come out, they start fast. They, mm-hmm. they pound them in the trenches, and then the pass game is really creative and all. What does the game look like then? Because, like, this is our prediction is, like, look, this is how we think it's going to play out. It may not go perfectly, that kind of thing. But if they really hit on those three keys, and, and I, I just do the defense as well, if they really hit on the, on the keys to victory, they really perform well in those three areas on offense, three areas on defense, then what do you think this game looks like? Because I'm trying to – what I'm trying to get at, Ryan, is – yeah. is this is what we think could happen, but this is the potential for what Notre Dame could do if they're really clicking coming out of yeah. this game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
the month of October is going to be jam-packed with huge games for Notre Dame. And ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out Game Time. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville, or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. I mean, I, th- I think this game could be 40 something to 10 if that's the situation that you're in, right? Because I think Notre Dame. Offensively, like, I, I mean, I'll come back to it, but I think that if things are clicking the way that it can potentially click offensively, I don't see how Louisville really slows you down, right? Because they're going to be a team that is going to really try to stop the run. But if Notre Dame is able to show creativity in the passing game and able to just kind of make the field more balanced, then I think the run game is going to get going against the Cardinal. I really do. And then defensively, if you have a high-octane offense for Notre Dame, or I don't even say high-octane, if you have a, a better offense, a much better offense than what you've had the last two weeks – then I think that that Notre Dame defense could just play so much more comfortable and so much more free. So I think this game could be a 40-something to 10 potential, but that one is if everything goes well. I think the 34-17 is more of, I think that this team is can win convincingly in this one, but there's always that margin for error that, you know, if a couple things don't go well. Because, like, I think that they will give up a couple big plays in this one defensively. I don't think it's going to be perfect, but I think Notre Dame is just that much better than this team if things are clicking right to to your point ryan in, in a game like that too it's it's the defense you really bury a team in the second half in those type of situations you know and that when you're really clicking and then that's going to force Louisville to make some mistakes and that's how you really put a team away uh, a, a good team away here's my prediction ryan i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my prediction i'm going with Notre Dame 31, Louisville 21. I'm going a little bit, and I thought about even making it 31, 24. I just, and, and I'm going, I'm going off of more just kind of what I've seen more so than what should happen. I've always said I make predictions based off what I think should happen. I'm going against that a little bit this week, Ryan. And, and, and because what I think should happen should look a lot like what you've talked about. As a matter of fact, I actually think if we're talking about Notre Dame really playing their game, and I'm not talking about playing the perfect game, because when a, when a good football team plays the perfect game, they destroy people, right? I mean, that's just what happens. 
and I and I I think of the 2013 uh, Florida State Clemson game. That was a good Clemson team. That was the best team Florida State played all year, and they annihilated them because they just played like the perfect game. I mean, they just it was like I think it was like 51 to 14, something like that. Those things can happen, but for me, I just. I, I just right now don't have a lot of confidence in the offense, to be honest with you, because the 31 that I have here is built on Notre Dame is going to force Louisville into some mistakes that are going to give them some short fields and the offense is going to, to, to put it away that way. So to me, uh, I just, I need to see it. I, I need to see it. I, I, I think this is not a team that you want to keep giving a lot of chances to because your offense is sputtering early Yep. defense could play out of their minds and still give up 21 to 24 points. If you just keep giving this Louisville offense more and more and more chances. And that's why the offense does have to come out, find some early rhythm, go on some decent drives, get points on the board and, and really put Louisville behind the eight ball. I mean, because I, I, if your defense can do that, then you can put this game away, Ryan, in impressive fashion. But for me, you know, I think Notre Dame's going to kind of sputter a little bit out of the gate. And and the offense is going to need a little bit of time to get going based on my score. And it's going to take them maybe a quarter, quarter and a half to find their rhythm. Once they do, however, I do think this they they kind of they kind of pound Louisville a little bit in the second half. Because again, for as bad as Notre Dame played last week, Grant, they were winning 10 to nothing at halftime. You know, it, it, against this team whose defense I don't think matches up as well against Notre Dame. And, and to your point, Ryan, about that, so what you talked about the size, the one thing that Duke had is Duke is, is one of only a couple teams on Notre Dame's schedule that physically could on the defensive line could physically whoop Notre Dame if Notre Dame didn't play well. And and Louisville is it. Now Louisville can out athlete Notre Dame. They can be disruptive against Notre Dame. They can do those things and, and actually beat the Notre Dame offensive line from a who yep. won the battle, but it won't be a physical butt whooping like Duke gave them last week. And that was a bit of kryptonite to Notre Dame. I, I don't think Louisville can do that. I think this game is going to be a, a one where it's it's really close game for a while. The crowd stays in it, and then Notre Dame pulls away late. That's how I see it playing out. That's where my 31-21 comes from. It's just a – in my hope, Ryan, in this scenario, in my a little bit pessimistic not, – I'm not pessimistic at all that they're going to win the game. I'm, I'm quite confident Notre Dame's going to win the game. But my pessimism of why it sh- it sh- it's going to be closer than honestly it should be is yep. it comes down to that. It comes down to just not feeling they're going to, to really have it. But I do believe, even in my pessimism, that in the second half, the offensive line, the run game will will, will, make, will do enough, and then the defense will be able to create some mistakes. They'll make a big play or two uh, in the run game or pass game and be able to put Louisville away late. 31-21 is where I went. I really thought about going 31-24 uh, and, and making it a touchdown game. But at the end of the day, I, I still think Notre Dame's the better team. And, and what this year's team has shown is, in order to beat them, you have to de- you have to have a roster that is either they're equal or better. And and Louisville has has taken a jump under Jeff Brom, but they're not there. They're not there yet at, at enough places. Their sure. skill can give Notre Dame problems. But when I watch their lines, Ryan, that's really what the separator is for me. Yep is they don't have Ohio State's offensive line, defensive line, excuse me. They don't have Duke's defensive line. They're, they they don't have even NC State's defensive line, in my opinion, uh, or the speed at linebacker that NC State had. So to me, it's good, but they're more NC State than they are Duke or Ohio State, in my opinion. Sure. And and meaning meaning 
they're going to make plays and do all those kind of things, but they're not as disruptive in, as NC State. And like NC State, I think Notre Dame can create some big plays. So why don't I have Notre Dame scoring in the 40s like they did against against NC State? Because I don't think this unit has the confidence that the offense had going into the NC State game. That's that's a big reason sure. for it, to be honest with you. Yeah, that makes so. sense. And I I, th- I think for me, it's this is a obviously a confidence builder. It's really what I want to see offensively for Notre Dame. But defensively, I mean, Brian, you make a great point. I think this is actually true of like even defensive back for Louisville for the most part. But Louisville has enough talent at the skill positions to compete with just about anybody in college football. The difference between them being completely competitive against some of the better teams in college football and winning those games is the offensive and defensive lines. Notre Dame hate needs to have big outings in those ones. They need to be able to make their plays and to stop enough plays from a skill position perspective. If they do, I mean, the offensive line and defensive line should – win handily in those matchups yep. in this game. Like, I don't see Notre Dame losing those matchups, that, but that is a huge key, obviously, this game. I, I just really forgot, though, I forgot to give my uh, my defensive game ball. Oh, what yeah. Doing that that's my bad. Bar. No, no, I'm that's sorry. my bad. No, no, no. My bad. That was, was actually mine. I'm pretty sure you afterwards, you, yeah. But I'm pretty sure you opened it up for me for doing both sides, and I just did one side, so, like, I'll take blame for that well, one. I appreciate totally you fine. taking one for the team, Ryan. Of course. That's what I'm here for, man. I'm a team Just player. a reminder, your game ball yeah. was offensive line. For offense, offense, correct? Line. Just a reminder. Okay, what's defense? Yep. Defense is going to be Cam Hart this game. And the reason for that is is that this is a space game. And I think that Louisville is going to want to try to create some plays to the field in this one, in a more increased space. Cam Hart being the field corner, I think that he's been playing some really good football. But I think he has a chance to shut down what is one of the bigger – because Jabari Thrash will play a little bit all over the place, but he'll play a lot outside to the field. They're going to try to isolate him out there because he's a good route runner. He's fast. He's eye for the catch guy. I think Cam Hart has a chance to slow him down enough and maybe create a big play. But more importantly, I think his biggest impact in this game, outside of maybe forcing turnover, will be tackling in space. When they just get a you know just a quick out or they throw a screen out there or they do a now screen or whatever it might be, Make those plays end early on. So I think Cam Hart's going to have a big one in this one. So because of that, Ryan, because you interjected that into my prediction, I think it's appropriate that I go into one of my storylines that I was going to discuss to back up what you're saying. Because what I was going to say was, is if Notre Dame wins this game the way that I think they're going to win this game or could win this game is – there's still not enough recognition for how good the Notre Dame cornerback position is. There's a lot of recognition for how good Benjamin Morrison is. I saw somebody put something out today. They said, who are the five best cornerbacks in college football? And they had Benjamin Morrison, number one. And I wanted to respond and I didn't because I'm just not doing that on Twitter anymore. It's like, yeah, Benjamin's been very good this year. He has not been their best corner in my opinion this year, especially from a production standpoint, it's been Cam Hart. And in order to keep Louisville's points down to your to your point of 17 points or even fewer, if they really dominate, it it is could be the coming out party for Cam Hart, because to your point, they're going to challenge him because they have to challenge him. They, They can't run their offense without challenging the field cornerback. They can't. And if Notre Dame shuts Louisville down. The defense shuts them down. It will be it will be partly because of a of a coming out party for Cam Hart, and that's that's what I believe to be true. So, having him as the player of the game based on how you think the game is going to go makes total sense. Makes total sense, and and I dig that one for sure. Um, my my game ball Ryan on offense is going to go to um is going to go to Sam Hartman. 
and partly because I, I think that the offense is going to sputter a little bit early, but I think him him making some plays in the pass game is going to what gives them going. Because if the game plays out the way that I that I think it will, Ryan, or not think it will, but predicted it will in this prediction, it involved them having a strong second half. Yep. And sometimes, even if you don't play a great game, but you play a great second half, that can give you a lot of momentum going into that next week's game. Just like I've said in the past, like you can have a great first half, but if you kind of just call off the dogs and just kind of sputter out of the game, you know, do you do you have the same level of momentum going into that next game? So I do think they're going to have some offensive momentum because I could, you know, I could see this being like a a 10 to 7, 14 to 7 game at halftime, 14 to 10 game at halftime, and then they come out and they they kind of get going in the second half. And that's going to be because Sam Hartman makes some plays. I, I think so. And I'll say this too. If the game goes the way that, that you know, I asked you about the three keys and if they thrive there, then I definitely think Sam Hartman gets the game ball. Because if Notre Dame comes out and they they control the line of scrimmage and they have a creative pass game, Sam Hartman's going to go off, in my opinion. I, I really think that he, he would in that situation. It's just the way that I see it playing out. I, I think it's going to be more of a, second half type of thing. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the offense comes out clicking right away. That's the ideal scenario is just come out and put this game away early. And that would be ideal, obviously. But that's more that would be more wishful thinking for me than it would be thinking how it could go. But it's they're certainly capable of it, right? To your point, if they click on all those keys, this is not and it's not even playing a perfect game. Just play well in those areas. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll, this game won't be close. It won't be competitive. Yeah, but uh, I'm just not as confident that that's going to happen. And I certainly hope that I'm wrong. My my storylines will be that I, I, if the game plays out the way that I think it that I predict it will, it'll be second half. The offense seems to have gotten its mojo back. That will be my my storyline. Ryan is if is if the game goes the way that I think. It'll be similar to last week offensively. You you move it okay. You miss some chances. Maybe miss another field goal. Don't close off drives. But second half, you start making those plays and you put that team away and and you start feeling a lot better about the offense. Okay, they got they were running the ball second half. They hit some big plays. They're going to be all right. You know that's gonna that's gonna to to do it. If the game goes the way that I hope it goes, the storylines will be as I mentioned on defense about Cam Hart. But it'll yeah. also be um, – and part of my prediction is I'm just not confident that Al Golden is going to turn the D-line loose again. If I knew that he was going to turn – if I knew two things, Ryan, if I knew that that they were going to to do more in the pass game, RPOs, play action, moving the pocket. Indiana did some – got some – created some big plays in the pass game by moving the pocket. They had that big throwback pass where they kind of rolled right. Remember that play? And then they threw back across for a big gain. If they do some things like that and get the offense going, then the storyline is going to be, okay, the, the Notre Dame offense woke up. And, yeah, they had a little blip, but this is who they are. They're going to be fine. And then the second one is going to be Cam, the breakout of Cam Hart and Josh Burnham. That's, that's going to be my storyline is because if they turn the D-line loose, what is Louisville going to do if, if Al Golden comes out and says, hey, Wash – man, we're turning your boys loose this week. Okay. Go get them. What is Louisville going to do? We got to stop the inside guys and they're going to put the ends on, on, on islands. And that could be a chance for Josh Burnham to say, okay, cool. Let me go do my thing. Him and Javante Jean Baptiste. So that, that to me, if the game goes the way 
that I think it can, if I knew that they were going to really do those things, then those would be my storylines to take away. And my, my big picture storyline based on my actual prediction is that people are going to say, hey, this Notre Dame team is a really tough team, right? They played three straight games against ranked opponents, two of them on the road. They've gone on the road and won back-to-back games against ranked opponents. I, I read somewhere the other day, it's been since 05, I think, I thought I saw someone say, since Notre Dame, uh, maybe even sooner than that, I would actually go back. I, I can't remember the, what the tweet was, Ryan, but basically it's been a long time since Notre Dame went on the road and won back-to-back road uh, road games against ranked opponents. Wow. And and so, yeah, it was back in 2005. They started the season with a road win over Pitt and a road win over Michigan, who were both ranked. So Brady Quinn was a junior at, at Notre Dame the last time they went on the road and won back-to-back games against ranked opponents. Right? So that would be a, that would be a good thing. <laughs> That would be so, hey, it's only 18 years ago. I don't know what you're talking about, man. It was not long. Ago. I know, right? <laughs> well, well, they make you like 13, right? Right yeah. back then, you were middle school, you, just gonna go know, to high school. You know what made me feel really old the other yesterday? And I know this is completely off topic, but you remember the pitcher Jamie Moyer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Phillies, on, Cubs, he, played the White Sox, played for everybody. Yeah. So he was on the Phillies for the for the 08 championship, 07, 08 championship. But then he played until 2011. He threw out the first pitch for the Phillies yesterday. Do you know how old Jamie Moyer is? It's like 60s now, right? He's 60 years old, man. I'm like, that guy just just played last decade. That's insane. (laughs) That's kind of how I felt when I saw the the 1988 team at the Ohio State game. It's like, man. Like, we're getting old. He he was just playing professional baseball last decade, and he's 60 years old. That's wild to think about, man. Wild. It is. It is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan, we don't have a lot of questions, so we're just going to quickly answer a few questions here at the end of our prediction show, and then we will dive into our our looking at the games that matter most in college football this week to Notre Dame and some other interesting games. So just quickly, got a super chat here from Patrick Fitzgerald. Patrick says, glad to catch a live show. Glad you could be here. How would you script this first offensive series to get the offense out of their funk and get their confidence back? Would you do anything unique to what we've seen? A lot of well, a lot of pre-snap movement for me. Yeah, like Patrick, I would right. really like to see some jet motions, maybe some orbit motions. I just really want to get this. Yeah, I want to yep. get this undersized second level of the defense for Louisville. I want their eyes moving all over the place. Yes, they're just kind of like, huh, this is interesting. You want them looking left, this. right, Ryan, not straight ahead. Absolutely. Exactly. You you want to yep. get them moving. I would actually come out with some eleven personnel stuff in the run game. I would have some RPO slash run. You know, when I say RPOs, you have to be running the football to do an RPO. 
right? It's not a called pass play. It's called run play. I would do, I would do different things like that. I would, I would move my receivers, not just to create um, uh, what you referred to, Ryan, which, which I agree with, but I also want to get my receivers moving just to kind of free them up and get them on the run. I, I still don't understand why they don't do more with Chris Tyree in motion because get him moving. And then he's got a little bit of a head start on certain things like that would be kind of, Hey, why not do that? Right. I, so I, I want to see them do that. I would like to see them come out and take a couple shots early, but a lot of it's built around get Louisville on its heels to Ryan's point, which is why one other thing I would do on the, uh, maybe it's not the first drive, but it might be the, the second drive. But part of my script, if I'm a 15 play script guy, part of my script is at some point in time, right in the middle of that script, we're going to speed it up. We're going to go, Hey guys, let's go. If we, if we hit that first play, we're going to go. Let's let's get going. Yeah. And so first time we complete a pass in this sec series, then we go, you know, even yeah. if it means you get a couple two play call situations in there, Ryan, uh, because the thing I love about two play calls is if you're an RPO team, two play calls are a thing of beauty. You can literally do those the entire game because yeah. you, your next play can be, hey, let's, we're going to run inside zone. Well, and then you're tagging your RPOs with it. Well, look, if they come up and they, boom, pull it and throw it, and you can really get some tempo going. So those are all built around the motions, the shifts that Ryan talked about, the tempo, the RPOs. Those are all built around slowing Louisville down. And the best way to slow a fast defense down is to make them think and to make yep. them uncertain of what they're of what they're seeing. And they didn't do a good job of that against NC State. They let NC State come out early and just pin their ears back and go. Now, they eventually got to some of that stuff, Ryan, and that's where they got a lot of their big plays from. But it took them a while. And you needed your defense to bail you out. I mean, NC State's first possession was at the 49-yard line going in. You better not do that to Louisville. Because Louisville doesn't – Jack Plummer's not Brennan Armstrong. And, there was, and the pass game weapons are much better at Louisville than what NC State had. The running back room is much better than what NC State had. So you can't put your your offense in those such situ- or defense in the situations that you did against NC State because you won't be able to bail yourself out of those, in my opinion. You you, you won't. So those are things that, that I would do and, and that Ryan would do. And we're we're on the same page, Ryan, because we're get get slow them down by getting them thinking and get them on their heels. If you get an undersized defense thinking and on their heels, you can punish them. There's no doubt about it. We had another super chat from David Hess. Thank you so much, David. He said, I have a good feeling about this game. Irish 38, Cardinals 17. I dig it. I, that would be a score that would make me very happy because that would mean Notre Dame played very well in all phases of the game, in my yes. view. Agreed. Quinn Kibler says, how much does down and distance change play calling in the beginning when working off the scripted opening plays? It, big time. I mean, if, if if you're out there and your second play is 13 personnel inside run and your first play was a pass and you get sacked on the first play, you're off the script. You always yeah. have that built into what you're doing. And the players know it. Like, hey, listen, if we get into this down and distance situation, so like my third down script may, or my script may have third down, my third play is – uh, uh, power out of 21 personnel. But again, I'm in third nine. I can't run that play. So the players know when you practice it, yes, this is our script, but this is our third down calls. This is our red zone call. So you always have different things. Like if let's say, and there's also the positive angle of this too, Ryan, is let's say we rip off a 70 yard run to get down to the seven yard line on the second play. Well, I'm not calling double posts on the next play. 
right? I mean, so, hey, now we're in our red zone package, right? If you have a big, hey, now we're in our third down package. Or here's the other one. You, your defense, you know, forces a turnover. They punt the ball. You're at your own four, your own four yard line. Well, our script had us calling four verts on the first play of the game. I'm not calling four verts necessarily on the first play of the game from our own four yard line, right? So now you're doing what? You're in your coming out game plan. So the stuff you practice on Thursday. So the script always is nuanced. I mean, if you are able to just go 15 straight plays and never get off script, you're up 14 nothing, 21 nothing. I mean, that's just kind of how that goes, Ryan. You know what I mean? So, so, so that way, when people understand scripts, you always get off script when the circumstance calls for you to be more situational. And but you practice those things as well. You uh, thir- Thursday practices are normally uh, not. You'll run your script your offense but it's it's third down day it's red zone day it's situational day it's our you'll have a coming out period normally on a thursday where coming out means you're backed up you know inside your own 20 you have a script for that you know if you're if you're back like when notre dame goes to a um when they were backed up against ohio state in the first play they have sam hartman just take a quarterback sneak you've 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 planned for that hey if we get back inside our own one sam if you see this just take it and go Right. And so those are all things you practice during the game. It's not like, oh, crap, we're at our own one. What do we do? You've practiced those things. You've prepared those things. So it's easy to go off script when a situation that you've also prepared for presents itself. Now, sometimes, Ryan, you're in a third and four and your script says you want to run this. I like this on third and four. Let's stay on it. But a lot of times if if something happens positively or negatively, because, again, sometimes it could be you just ripped off a long play and now you're in the red zone and your next two plays were going to be play action downfield throws you can't do from the 14, right? But you're now in your red zone package. And so those are the things that that uh, down and distance situations absolutely uh, will get you off script. But normally, Ryan, if you convert to third down, go right back on script, go right back to where you left off. And I've been in the game a couple times, Ryan, where our script works so well, we're like, hey, Let's run through it again. They did nothing to stop us. They did nothing to adjust to us. That doesn't happen as much at this level. That was sure. more of like a D3, one double A thing where you just play some of these teams that you're just way better than. That's not something that you'd see against Louisville or a team like that. But the, the, the way the game is being played, and sometimes you you just say, hey, hey guys, we got to get off script pretty quick because they're doing this and, and, and we can't run this, 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 and this because of what they're doing. But we got to do this. So there's a lot of things that, that can get you off script early in the game. Some positive, some negative. Well, well, at one point I was an offensive coordinator on the high school level. And I remember that I wrote a script and I threw my script out in two plays. Cause I'm like, we suck. We're not going to be able to do any of this. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Fortunately, I never had any of those situations. Right. Thank goodness. But yeah, yeah it isn't going to work. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, but yeah, good question, Quinn. Good question. We had Irish blooded with a question who says, what is your take on how much skilled players don't get the ball is play calling versus quarterback target selection and trust? What's let's say it's both. I mean, somewhat, somewhat 50, 50 ish, you know, also play, play callers might not call a play for a player also because they don't have trust in them either though. Exactly. Like, trust can really go exactly. into it a lot. lot. Exactly. I would say trust is the biggest thing for me. Cause like usually, twofold here a coach will design plays for a player that they trust very much right and then the other Mm -hmm. side of it is a quarterback will find a player that he trusts very much as well so if there's a lack of trust i think you kind of avoid guys sometimes right so i think trust is actually the biggest factor for me i Mm -hmm. responded of like why isn't i getting a football because there's 
probably a lack of trust there for some reason. You know what I mean? So I think trust is a big thing for me. I think it's also play calling from the standpoint of it's not always about trust. That's true. We agree there. But sometimes it's like, hey, we're calling these plays and we've got these backside. We really think we can hurt them with some backside post concepts. Well, backside post is coming off of a they did this with your initial read. Come backside to the post. Well, if they're not doing anything to take you off your first read, you may have been open three times on a backside post route, but like, well, yeah, but it, the read never took me there. And that's where kind of play calling where now you've got to say, Hey, look, we're getting open. So you've got to call it and coach it to your quarterback and say, Hey, listen, next time we call this, I, the safety, because if he does this, we want to come back to the post, even though the curl flat may be open over here or the smash may be open. We want to take a shot on this post play. And that's where play calling could come into play where, you know, like the Ohio State game with Chris Tyree coming open so often on the backside, eventually the coaches need to be like, hey, Sam, we need you to look there, right? right. We need you to come back to that. Uh, and so that's where the play calling aspect comes in too, uh, to, to alongside of, it's like with anything, man, there's different factors that go into things. It's never just like one thing in a circumstance like this. But if I'm Sam Hartman, I understand why he doesn't have as much faith in the outside receivers because he's given them chances. Jaden Thomas, he gave him a chance against NC State. He didn't make the play. He gave Tobias multiple chances last week. They make the plays. But that's why I say if you're if you're if you're Sam Hartman, you're a captain, you're a leader, you're a six-year guy. It's your job as the quarterback and the leader to say, what can I do to get Tobias going? What can I do to Chris to get Chris Tyree going? And sometimes we say it's the coach has got to say this. Well you know what matters more to a receiver than the coaches coming up and telling them they love them, Ryan, to your point. It's when the quarterback does it. Hey, man, I know you had a rough game, but I believe in you. I'm going to get you the ball this week. I need you to step up and make those plays, right? But I'm going to get you the ball. And that's one of those things where, like, you know what, man, I'm going to go out there and play for this guy. So I want to know that Sam Hartman's doing those things as well. That's also part of what what being a leader is all about, Ryan. Sometimes you've got to get that trust out of them. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I need to show that I trust them, maybe even if I don't, (laughs) right, to give them the confidence they need to say, hey, I, I I got you, right? I got you, and that's uh, that's part of being a leader, in my opinion. We had another super chat from John B. Thank you, John. We will see Jaden Greathouse on the outside with Chris Tyree in this in the game. Like getting our best players on the field together. I hope so. I don't know if it's going to happen, Ryan, not Ryan, but you and I have talked a lot about this week. Uh, and John B., thank you so much for your super chat. But yeah, I'm I, I hope so. And that's not a shot at Tobias Merriweather or anybody else. It's just, it's a different look that I'd like to see them show, you know, and, and there's things you can do with, with Jaden Greathouse that maybe you didn't feel as comfortable with, with Tobias that you can that compliment with what he's doing with Chris Tyree really well, you know, run the safeties off with your, with your, uh, your slot guy. And then, and then do your high lows that way. You know, they like to run those field high lows, right? I would say do that, right. Use Chris Tyree run off the safeties and then, you know, bring your ex backside and, and Jaden runs a deep end cut and get some ISOs there. There's some things that you can do with that. Um, that that certainly I would like to see that. I absolutely like to yeah. see that. There's no doubt. I mean, it's your most explosive player and your most dependable player. And they play the same position. At some point in time, you've got to figure out ways to get them both on the field. And when Just a position's it. struggling, you go to a guy that is doing well, that can play multiple positions, and that's Jaden Greathouse. I think it's time to load up the plate a little bit more for him. He's I don't want to say exceeded expectations. That's kind of what I thought he would do at Notre Dame as a freshman, but he has shown that he has the ability to impact the game in multiple ways, steer into his versatility. Cause he was always a guy, even when he was at Austin Westlake that we were always 
clamoring like that kid could play all over the place. He's not just a slot. He's not just an outside guy. Like he has ability to play everywhere. Last two here, Ryan. There's one. Joe Medina says, why do you think some fans seem to be more vocal about Marcus Freeman's mistakes yet were relatively silent during Brian Kelly constantly choking in big games? Seen more fire Marcus Freeman comments than I ever saw for BK. I, I think, I think part of it is, it, I think part of bias. it, not, not what's that confirmation bias. Confir- yeah. Confirmation but, bias. I was also going to say they, is they, that go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say that Marcus Freeman doesn't have a long resume of being successful at, as a head coach. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like Brian Kelly was a successful coach at a couple different schools before he came to Notre Dame. So I think in people's mind, when he first got there, they're like, it's a good coach, right? Like it's a good coach yeah. for Marcus Freeman. And this is fair. I think some people still think of like, is he really a good head coach yet? I, mm-hmm. I'm still not sure. Like, That's exactly what that I'm out. saying. It's exactly yeah. we're on. We're saying the same thing, Ryan. Absolutely. Confirmation buying is this. Well, I know Brian Kelly can win. He won at Central Michigan. He won at Grand Valley. He won at Cincinnati. So when he makes a mistake, ah, it's just a bad game. But I know that he's going to do this. And and so it's confirmation bias. When Marcus, a lot of the people that, that are saying those things about fire, fire Marcus Freeman, guarantee you 90-some percent of those are either A, just miserable people, which is a smaller number, or B, people that didn't think this was the right hire, and they are the ones that like, this isn't a learn-on-the-job uh, place. Well, and, and then it gets into, well, well only, he's only making this mistake because he's young, right? Whereas when Marcus, when Brian Kelly make a mistake, well, yeah, stuff happens sometimes, you know, but he's a veteran coach, you know, he, he'll get him through it. So I, I think it has to do with that. It's the confirmation bias of, you know, one guy is inexperienced. You didn't think he should be the guy you thought they should have hired Luke Fickle or some other guy to be the head football coach. And so, you know, every time there's a mistake, you're going to fire him. I mean, there's, there's always other reasons for people to have those type of opinions, but I think a lot of it has to do with that because some of the people that I know that I like that, that, that are hammering Marcus Freeman. It's, it's the first time that he made a mistake this year of not having a team ready or not making it was immediately. See, I knew he was in over his head. No comments like that. The first four games of the year, none. Right. And, and uh, you know, when, when Notre Dame comes back and beats Duke, it's, it's, it's nothing but criticism because he might've played for the field goal and things like that. I'm like, that's not, if you think that's a dumb comment, I got news for you. That's not even in Brian Kelly's top 10 of ignorant post-game comments that he made <laughs> at Notre Dame. You know what I mean? This is the same clown that decided, hey, let's run a jet sweep inside the five-yard line to a guy that's never ran a jet sweep before in a game, right? Hey, we got a freshman quarterback. All we need is a field goal to win. Let's roll out and throw a fade into the end zone with our freshman quarterback who can't throw the ball more than 30 yards really accurately right now, Tommy Reese. You know what I mean? It's not a shot on Tommy. That's a shot on Brian Kelly. So, so, but, but that's, and you know what he said after the game, get used to it. You know, it's like, okay, well we did, you know, we got used (laughs) to stupid things like that, but because he's a veteran coach, they would just, and and I even explained away why they did it at the time. Not that I thought it was the right call, but you explain, here's why they did it. They're taking a shot, you know, whatever. Uh, I just didn't like the call. And, And so it's that right there, Ryan. It's, it's, well, this guy's young. So when he makes a mistake, it's because he shouldn't have been the guy anyway where when a veteran head coach, you're like, hey, look, all coaches have bad days. All coaches make mistakes. And so it's confirmation bias. So I think you and I are saying the exact same thing, just a little bit little bit differently. A yep. little quick super chat here from uh, Nathan Milton. I'm going to make you read this, Ryan. Thank you, Nathan. Reminder, BK sucks. Hashtag so petty. We tried to warn you, LSU. We did. We did. 
They, yeah, we did. I, I and... actually, I actually did. I actually did have my first LSU fan message me on X the other day that said, "Yeah, you guys may have been right about Brian Kelly." Yeah, I've had, a, I've had him. now two people reach out with that as well, Ryan. So, yep, you were right. And there's a lot more of them that think it. They're just not willing to say it yet. Yes, that's well. If they absolutely. lose to Missouri this week, then that will. Uh, that it is over. It is more. over. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. yes. Uh, and I just want to say, Mark says, "IB Nation, what's up? Going to the hospital in the morning sometime around nine o'clock for the newest Notre Dame fan will be here." So Mark is having yet another child, and so Mark, uh, congratulations! That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm Ryan sure. is not going to look super happy about you having a new kid because Ryan is still mm-hmm. um, dealing with having a, a new child of his own and his lack of sleep. So, uh, yes, but, uh, Mark, congratulations, man. Very, very much. Uh, we're happy for you and hope everything goes well with you and and the mom and the baby tomorrow. So congratulations. Just wanted to say that before we, uh, before we moved on to the next, uh, the next topic here, Mark, sleep tonight, buddy. Sleep tonight. That's right. (laughs) 